o'clock. Hope you're having a great Thursday. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. I'm looking out the window and I'm, I'm not liking this, man. Been enjoying these 57, well, 60 degree days. Yeah, like, what is this? We've got some clouds rolling in. We're going to have some rain, maybe some snow. Looks like gray. Yes. Like a brownish, dusty gray. Which means we're probably going to Yuck. get some rain and snow coming soon. Lame. All right. So uh, we have some housekeeping we need to do first. Uh, we have the two qualifiers for the uh, Buffalo Wild Wings big game giveaway. Yes. Uh, on that list is Cody and Will. You just made the list. Once you again. You just made the list. You're qualified. You haven't won yet. We'll announce the winner next Thursday to start out uh, the show uh, next Thursday morning. Table for six. 50 wings at Buffalo Wild Wings February 11th for the big game, which you can hear right here on the team as well. So uh, we'll dr- we'll do another yep. winner or another qualifier, excuse me, qualifier this hour. And then we had a winner for who is it? Okay. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. The man whose birthday is tomorrow on Groundhog's Day and one of the most famous moments in Broncos lore and also one of six players to be drafted by the NBA, the NFL, the MLB. Jeff correctly identifying Dave Logan turns 70 years young tomorrow. The voice of the Denver Broncos, former Cleveland Brown, Mm -hmm. wrapped up his career as a Denver Bronco. Also, uh, Coaches some football as well. Yeah. Coach Cherry Creek. Multi-time state champion. Yeah. Uh, Dave Logan to what? Wheat Ridge High School, I believe, for for Dave back in the day. I believe that's where he went to high school. But uh, drafted by the Reds and decided to go to play University of Colorado. Mm -hmm. So... um, he got drafted by the Kansas City Kings and the NBA. Yep. And the Browns. So he joined Dave Winfield and Mickey McCarty as one of only three players ever drafted professionally, Major League Baseball, NBA, and NFL. I saw Wikipedia said six. I don't know who the other three are. I'll go with yours. That's three. I'm going, It's this is the Dave Logan story from Team Dave Logan. Oh, from well, I would Dave narrow Logan, it down to three as well. From the Dave Logan website. So, yeah, Wheat Ridge High School. And, you know, like I said, a Boulder was a letterman in every all those varsity sports. Mm-hmm. And um, 84, ended his career in Denver with the Broncos. And his NFL career totals, 263 catches, 4,250 yards. Yeah, he averaged 16.2 yards per catch. That's pretty good. It's not bad, yeah. And 24 touchdowns. And, of course, has had a phenomenal run as the, the coach at Cherry Creek. Arvada West uh, won a state title there in 97. And then he was at Chatfield, won a state title in 2001. Then what, Lindale White was there. Then he moved to Mullen, where he won four state titles, 04, 08, 2009, 2010. Cherry Creek... Winning titles 2014, 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022. All right. So that we, there you go. That's uh, who is it today? Yep. With Dave Logan. All right. 904 
and head back over to the team line. Let's see. Uh, Steve, yes, Dave Winfield was the other one. As far as the, the, the question about multiple, <clears throat> drafted by multiple professional sports leagues. Uh, from Robert, the problem with not having a shot clock is the stall. It, 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 it all works together. The three-point basket along with the shot clock results in a logical flow, one without the other results in a clunky presentation of the greatest game ever invented. Have a grand day. And, and for the most part, he's right about that. But I just think when you, when you watch high school basketball, if you watch it and or call it, I just don't see this being, at least here in this state, I don't know what it's like in other states. Right. I just know that the games you do and I do, whether it's girls or boys, I don't get that feeling. It's what you referenced. It's the missed rebounds, not mm-hmm. boxing out, team gets an extra possession, it's it's not so much more spirit. of a fundamental issue than a stalling issue, right? And you'll see, like at the end of a game, teams up by ten, and they'll get down to like a minute, minute and a half, and they'll they'll just run the clock out, and the other team's going to let them do that because it's it's you know sometimes not always, or if it's a twenty point game, just let's get it over with, get the you know, get on the bus and go home, right? Get in the vans and go home. I just don't think it's this rampant epidemic this real problem that we have of of teams holding it for two three minutes two minutes of possession or 90 seconds in a possession i just don't see that's the problem and the cost for some schools to have a shot clock installed it's not cheap you gotta find somebody to run that that shot clock yeah i just don't see for over here i just don't see how it makes a ton of sense because you don't run into this a lot. And if you do, it's once a year, twice, maybe a maybe. little right, right around there. Maybe it's three times over two years, so the average one and a half times a year. Well, like Is when, that going to be worth yeah. the investment that it takes to put a shot clock in every school here in the Valley? And when we had Mike Kruger on, Chassa Commissioner, when, when I saw Mike over in Denver and we talked about this, and he, he referenced how he – charted possessions at the state basketball tournament. He said the average possession was like 30, 35 seconds. That's yeah. that's when the time frame of a of a of a college shot clock. Yeah. Which is what they would probably Which institute. is what they're going what they're going to do. And so if you're already possession length is at what a shot clock would be on average, mm-hmm. then why are you doing this? Right. And this is not this is not a chassis thing specifically. Once again, let's let's separate National Federation High Schools, they've they've made this big nation, nationwide push for shot clocks. And they leave it up to the member associations to vote on it and approve it. And many states have. Colorado's not one of them. Mm-hmm. But like Paul Kane said, this is this is gonna come back, and Mike echoed that as well. It's gonna come back this spring, probably with a different, a revamped proposal to try to get this pushed through. Is it is it the worst thing in the world? No, is it going to change the game slightly? Not a lot. It's Either more. Way. It's more about are you going to find enough people because you have to find another person to run the shot clock, right? And it's already a challenge for schools to find. It's a challenge to find officials. That's where the, the stripes program through Chass has really helped. It's tough to find people to keep the book. It's it's tough to find somebody to do PA. It, it's these people don't just. They're not on payroll. Right. They Usually don't matriculate. 
or just materialized out of thin air. They're usually teachers that, that help out or, or the case may be faculty that help out. And so um, I know I mentioned Cam Ross for the monument coach. You see Cam at Fruity Games mm-hmm. down there helping out. Uh, guys like Tom Goff, the you know, Fruity Games and, and others. Chuck that Yost out at Central. Chuck helps out at Central as well. Will Jones out there too. Yep, Will's out there. And and so you see those folks helping out, and it's not like they have a staff of event personnel right. or people that are going to work. It's work not like CMU. Which you know, all those people volunteer their a lot time. Of those people volunteer as well. But it, they don't. There's not an infinite amount of people that you just pluck and be like, all right, here you go, go run the yeah. shot clock. Do they? Do they? You know, the folks over at Mesa, like Dave Lister, uh, Nick Bullen, do they get paid? Some, sure. Some. But it's it's. But a lot. What's more or less? I, I'm assuming that is the case. But it's more of almost a volunteer kind of thing mm-hmm. to do it. They do it because they love doing it, but you, that's not always easy to find people that will do that. Now you find one other person that has to do that, right. and that is their job, along with the cost of what it install, what it, what you have to pay to install a shot clock, right, in your high school. Each end of the court, each end of the court, wire it, make sure that's all done. Somebody like Dactronics or somebody like that comes mm-hmm. in and does it. Uh, let's see from Mountain Dave. Good morning, guys. Two comments this morning. First, I remember that Japanese team in that match in the Grand Junction gym. I think they also wrestled fruit as well. Secondly, Mike Kruger's ability to address needs and issues is a huge benefit to athletics in Colorado. He's a leader, understands the organization he leads. Look, Mike's a friend, but we're also, if if there's something that happens that we we don't agree with, we're going to say that. And Mike, Looking at you for a softball situation. And we we had, we mentioned that, and that was that was a mess. Yeah, should not have happened the way it did. That was unfair to that team to have to go do that, to go back and play an inning mm-hmm. to qualify for state when the game had already been called right. at that point. And we, and we mentioned that, but we're also quick to praise, and yeah, we know the kind of warranted, guy, yeah, and we know the kind of guy Mike is. Been a friend of ours for a long time. He's called games with us. Coach, probably your kid here in the Valley, if your kid went to Palisade. And he understands what coaches and parents go through on the side of the hill. And I and like Mountain Dave was saying, I I appreciate it about Mike because like the the reassigning of, of Mike Book to work at a Grand Junction. Now you got somebody from Chassa that's here in town or a short drive or maybe not a short, short drive, but a shorter drive than it would be from Denver for a Mike book to come and address a certain need and have a Chassa person be involved in that decision. Or it's not a phone call, it's not a Zoom, it's that person is there in front of you to work through whatever the situation is. I think it's a great idea. And um, and so, uh, looking forward to what, probably have Mike book on the program at some point, I would think, since he's going to be in town. We'll have them stop by. All right, 9-11. And tonight, both Colorado and Mesa basketball teams are in action. They host Westminster tonight. Our coverage will start at uh, 5-15. Women will tip it at 5-30. The men at 7-30 tonight. And uh, our own Tyler Franson had the chance to talk with Maverick women's basketball player, Laura Gutierrez. Joining us right now on the Team Sports Network, Laura Gutierrez. She's a redshirt senior guard for the Colorado Mesa Mavericks women's basketball team. Laura, thanks so much for doing this. How are you today? 
I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Let's talk about uh, your game uh, last night. First of all, I imagine that you guys must have been exhausted uh, after uh, the double overtime win against uh, Western, but you guys got the job done. What was the feeling like after that game? Was it kind of like a sense of relief? Was it excitement that you won? What was kind of just the general vibe after that uh, that big double overtime Western win? Yeah, no, I mean, we couldn't be anything else but happy and excited and just like praising Kylie because she made that one three to send us into overtime. Um, we were just happy. And we, I mean, it was an ugly loss, but I mean, an ugly win, but we still got the win. So that's, that's all that really mattered. Yeah, you know, and let's just be honest, it kind of looked like for a minute there it could have been an ugly loss, but you guys pulled it out in the end. You know, when we talked with your coach, Taylor Wagner, it seemed like his attitude was that every time you guys go to Gunnison, there's always something something fluky, right? Something kind of weird. Is it the altitude? Is it just the vibe of the, uh, the arena? Do you feel like that's kind of, you know, that weird energy going about? Right, right. I think it's just like everything plays into it. We knew going to Gunnison it was going to be a tough game. There's always, I mean, Coach told us that there's been teams that should have like won the RMAC or, you know, and they've lost games at, um, at Gunnison just because of the atmosphere. I mean, they had a big crowd last night um, towards the end of the game, and that really got them going. Um, I think it's also like the vibe of the arena, like the gym is just like different to me. We're talking with Laura Gutierrez. She is a redshirt senior guard for the CMU Mavericks. So let's talk a little bit about the season you're having uh, so far this year. And just looking at some of the uh, the numbers, uh, three-point shooting has kind of always been the thing that you kind of want to lean on, and you had a really good game uh, a couple weeks ago against Fort Lewis, 5 for 12 from beyond three. Uh, against Western, seemed like three-point shooting, except for that one that Kylie hit at the end for – all you guys didn't seem like it was clicking. But as a whole, though, three-point shooting this year for your team seems like it's been a really important factor in getting some of these wins that you guys have. Right. I mean, like, I think everybody that's on the court can shoot the ball. And um, I think when we hit about, like, six or more threes a game, like, we have a really good chance of winning. Um, last night, the ball, I mean, the rim was just not – not playing to to our advantage and um i think we were like three for 25 so thankfully kylie hit that three but uh yeah last night was a little rough three-point shooting wise but the rest of the season i mean um all the girls are working in the gym daily like you see the gym and it's always packed even when we don't have practice and we're just getting shots up all the time so i really appreciate that about my teammates when there's nights like that, right, when shots just are not going in, gravity's not your friend, it's, you know, it's a combination of things. When you have those types of nights where offensively things aren't clicking, you guys do a really good job just from an outsider's perspective of kind of leaning on your on your defense, and I imagine that's been a big point of emphasis from uh, Coach Wagner this year. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, our main goal is to try to keep uh, teams under um, nine or less points a quarter, and I know the first quarter last night wasn't wasn't what we wanted, but um, we really do try to rely on our defense when shots aren't falling, or our inside game trying to get it to live a lot, um, and getting to the line. And also, uh, coach has been emphasizing offensive rebounding when we when we shoot threes and they're not falling, so we could get those second opportunities. 
Laura Gutierrez. She's a redshirt senior guard for the CMU Mavericks women's basketball team. We're going to talk a little bit more about the game you guys have coming up this Thursday against Westminster in a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about you, though, and kind of get some more background about your career. You actually are very familiar with the RMAC as you were at one point an Adams State basketball player. You've transferred to Colorado Mesa. And just kind of walk me through that. What was that like for you going from Adams State, which is a pretty good program on its own, to coming to Colorado Mesa? Um, I know we, Adams plays very differently from Mesa. I know Adams gets up, uh, presses the whole game, tries to run, plays smaller. And Mesa is more like traditional, like three guards, a four and a five. So it definitely, it was definitely a big change, especially like defensive wise, um, because um, Coach Mario at Adams State, he has a different way of playing defense. And so it was kind of hard to get acclimated to um, what Wagner wanted, but I think I'm finally getting the hang of it now. And um, I know at Adams State, I was kind of like the scoring and it wasn't like I was averaging like these big numbers, but I definitely wanted to be on a team where the scoring is like even throughout the whole, you know, starting five. And we have Liv and Mason who are getting those high scoring points. And it's just like, it's just so much fun when, um, when everybody is just contributing and just playing as a team. Whereas at Adams, it almost felt like more me type of vibe. We're talking with Laura Gutierrez. She is a redshirt senior guard for the Maverick women's basketball team. And so now that you're at Mesa and you've gotten a lot of minutes as a starter, you've kind of established yourself uh, in, in, a, in a certain role. I'm curious to know from your perspective, what do you think your, your main role, your main contribution is to this basketball team? Because uh, like you were saying, you know, when you were over at Adams, it was kind of a me attitude. Now it's like a, more of like a we attitude here at Mesa. And so where do you kind of see yourself fitting in in the, in the larger scope of this basketball team? Right. I think my role is obviously hitting shots when they're open, um, but really trying to get the ball to my teammates, the ones who are a little bit better at scoring than me, and kind of just doing it on the defensive side, getting rebounds and um, focusing on that more more than scoring. But obviously when, when I'm open and I get the shots, just put them in. And, and, you know, you talk about getting the ball to your teammates. You had four assists last night. That's kind of uh, about at or about average for you. You have 39 assists this year, although your teammate, Kylie Kravig, has, I think, 120 yeah. or something. And, and so let's talk about her. You know, you mentioned that there was a lot of praise handed her way after last night with the big three and how she was able to kind of get the ball in the place that it needed to be. Talk to me about Kylie Kravig this year. She's been the one, it seems like, that is really, really the key in distributing the basketball to those open shots. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we don't realize how much of a great distributor she is until we look at the paper stats, you know, and see how many assists she has the game. But um, she is really good at just getting us open and looking for our uh, for our teammates and and she's very, very unselfish, and it's just such a great thing to have Kylie as a point guard. And, um, you know, she's always, most of the time, she's guarding, like, the best defender on the other team. So she's doing it on both sides and really have to praise her for that because she's just go, go, go nonstop. I mean, she plays 
the most minutes, I think, on the team, and she just never gets tired. She just she can just keep going. I was gonna say, what are what are her parents feeding her or something? You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she did do cross country in high school, so ah. she does that. That does help, but she just like does not stop. So yeah, you great you, you got to have a lot of endurance to be a cross country runner for sure. We're talking <laughs> yeah. with. We're talking with Laura Gutierrez, a redshirt senior guard for the Mavericks women's basketball team. I want to ask you about a couple of other teammates of yours that are having really good seasons. You mentioned them already. Mason Rowland, she's a freshman. She's not playing like a freshman. Let's just let's just yeah. be honest. She is playing like she is a seasoned veteran. How has she been able to establish herself early just as a freshman and really make a, a huge contribution to this basketball team? I mean, right away, like when she came in, we just saw, like, she's a dog. Like, she has that fight in her. Like, whether you put her in the starting lineup or she comes off the bench, she's going to go in there and do what she does best. And that's, I mean, getting to the basket, finishing, and um, getting to the line as well. And then also, I mean, she has a really good shot. So when she's open, she's going to knock those down. And, I mean, I think of her as a freshman. She's going to get freshman of the year for sure. So it's kind of nice to... Um, think that like last year Olivia Reed got freshman of the year and now we have another freshman of the year that I think she should get the award but um yeah she's definitely not playing like a freshman and I I 100% agree with you that she is well deserving of RMAC freshman of the year like Olivia Reed which is a nice transition to who I was going to ask you about next I call her the Nikola Jokic of (laughs) RMAC women's basketball for you, is there a NBA player or or a or a big time playmaker that you would compare Olivia Reed to? Um, I've never really thought about that, so I don't really have an answer to that. But I feel like you kind of got it spot on. I mean, her points are so quiet too, but like they are so important. I mean, last night she ended up with thirty points, and we're like, where did that even come from? But I mean, man, like. Thank God for Liv. <laughs> you you want an Olivia Reed on your on your basketball team, that's for sure. Oh yeah. All right, let's talk quickly about this game coming up. You have a uh, and it's this weird schedule. You have the Tuesday Thursday, you know, right. schedule, and it's not a long road trip to Gunnison, but you know, there's still travel, and obviously, when you play a double overtime game, you add some extra time mm-hmm. to that. But you have the game Thursday night. It's back home at Brownson. It's against a Westminster team that is not where they want to be right now. What's been the the focus for you guys this week as you get ready for this game against the Griffins tomorrow? I mean, yeah, it's been a tough week because we have two games in, right in the middle of the week. Um, uh, we're, we're just watching film, setting film, and um, trying to get some shots up. Uh, we're not going too, too crazy because, um, like you said, we played double overtime last night, so we're just trying to get in the gym and get – the feel and it's it's definitely nice to be back home i mean you saw last weekend's crowd uh, with the blizzard and bronson i mean it was packed and it was just amazing like it's just great to have fans and the school supporting us all the time so it's great to play at home all right we'll we'll wrap it up here uh laura i want to talk a little bit more just kind of your your background you were a uh rio rancho high school grad in rio rancho new mexico when Lauren Gutierrez is not in basketball mode. When she's not in season, when she's not getting ready for the season, what is Laura Gutierrez's favorite things to do or favorite activities that she enjoys, 
things, hobbies that she does when she's not basketball, Laura Gutierrez? <laughs> uh, well, I love to travel, so whenever I have the money and the time to do that, I love being by the beach, so, you know, like Mexico or California, and I love being with my family, being with my dogs, and I enjoy to draw, too, when Ooh. I have free time, but yeah, other than that, that's about it. Well, Laura, we appreciate the time. Best of luck uh, going forward, not just tomorrow, obviously, but uh, the whole rest of the season. You guys are absolutely crushing it right now. We wish you the best of luck going forward. Laura Gutierrez joining us on the Team Sports Network. Laura, thank you so very much for your time today. Thank you for having me. All right, that's uh, Tyler France and Laura Gutierrez, who's uh, had a really nice senior season. Uh, had that big game against Highlands where uh, she had went out and hit some big threes early on in, in that game, and uh, she continues to be a real perimeter threat for the Maverick women. We'll have Colorado Mesa basketball tonight on the team. I'll have it over at Brownson Arena. Women's pregame at 5.15. They'll tip it at 5.30 minutes, 7.30 tonight when they take on Westminster University. And, uh, of course, that's brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm. All right, uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, four down territory on this day in sports history. And should we do it right now? You want to go out? Let's get our final qualifier. All right, that's for... Uh, the, the fifth texter, yep. text in your first name, last name, and B-dubs to 970-242-1340. That gets you qualified to win a table for six and 50 wings at Buffalo Wild Wings. Medium spicy. Whatever you want. I mean, you can get whatever flavor you want out of Buffalo Wild Wings. And it's for the big game on February 11th, which you can catch all of it right here on the Team Sports Network. But the fifth texter, it's again, you get qualified, we'll draw the winner and announce it. Uh, to start out things next Thursday, by the way. So you have a chance to get qualified all the way through uh, this coming Wednesday for that table for six and 50 wings of Buffalo Wild Wings. Text now, 970-242-1340. We'll take a break. We'll come back with the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. I'm the morning guy. I have a Facebook group, 16 members. Some call it a fan page. I don't know. Oh, hell yeah. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 929. Jim along with the Buckeye boy. All right, so uh, hopefully we'll we'll announce who qualified for this hour. We'll do three more qualifiers tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, and the next Wednesday for uh, the table for six and 50 wings of Buffalo Wild Wings for the big game February 11th. Uh, let's see. I'm looking here. I think uh, this one text, I need to go through it and figure out. Let's see. Um, this is from Lee. Yeah, that's a good one. Hello. What about students? Uh, I ran the clock for Central back in the day. Also did the book. We had we had to earn it. Thanks, Lee, class of 75. And that could be a way that they go. I know that typically, like with the scoreboard, they have a faculty member that, that does that. Would they feel comfortable having... A student run the shot clock. Maybe. A little late start when your team, your school has the ball. A little, could, little jump in the gun could, when the other team that, has it. Yeah, you know, like it could be an issue, but that could also be an issue if an adult was doing it too. That's so. true. Probably more of an issue, actually. Probably, yeah, probably Knowing so. Youth sports adults. Yeah. Uh, we got our qualifier. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Scott. You just made the list. You're on the list. All right. Well done, Scott. All right. Uh, 
Breaking news this morning. Yeah. Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. Looks like he's going to stay in division, but not with the Cowboys. Oh. Reports are that he'll be the next coach of the Washington Commanders. Look at that. Still able to give up 48 points in <laughs> Dallas Cowboys Stadium. <laughs> That's be, nice. Look at be that. able to do that. Congratulations to him. Him in his backwards hat, ripped jeans or whatever he wears. All right, it's 931. It's time for Four Down Territory. We're into Four Down Territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, first down. Keeping it on NFL coaching jobs. Yeah. Ben Johnson has decided to stay in Detroit to be the the Lions offensive coordinator again. And the second straight season, he's made that decision. He said he had some unfinished business with the Lions, wants to win a Super Bowl with the team. Uh, also, there's been the report that Ben Johnson, once again, Detroit Lions Ben Johnson, not Delta Panthers coach Ben Johnson, right. keep the keep them separated, that Ben Johnson's monetary demands apparently scared some teams. Oh, it was more than $16 million a year like Jim Arba? Probably not. But apparently some teams were were uh, a little bit uh, gun-shy to, uh, to, I guess, agree to his demands. But Mark Schlereth was on a... Uh, Seattle Sports Talk Show for Stink, former Bronco yeah. and Fox analyst. He said that he talked with Ben Johnson during the season that the job that Johnson really wanted was the Chargers because of Justin Herbert. Yeah, but, if I'm the offensive coordinator for any team and I have all of these openings, the Chargers would be at the top of the list. Absolutely. Who else with an opening this year? This year has a quarterback that you can salivate over. It would be the Chargers. It'd be the Chargers. Yeah. Geno Smith, I'm sorry. No offense. Kind of offense. Will it's okay. Levi's, you know, What's Bryce Young. Bryce Young, we don't know. Mac Jones. It's a project. Yeah, we don't know what's happening with Mac Jones in New England. We don't know what's going to happen there. Right. So, yeah, just I get it. All right, second down, we go... To north of the border football. Hey. My favorite alternative football league, mm-hmm. the Canadian Football League, which I love because they they act like they don't act like they're a minor league. Right. They know the NFL exists, but they they kind of just they do their own thing, which I love that about the Canadian Football League. But I also love how they announced the Winnipeg Blue Bombers did the uh the return of Chris Strievler, who had been with the Jets, quarterback. Didn't he play for the Braves for a couple of years, too? Oh, it's Spencer Stratton. Sorry. <laughs> different guy. Different names, different, different guys. Strevler played for Winnipeg when uh, they won a Grey Cup back, oh, what year was it? I'm trying to remember the year that they won a Grey Cup. But anyway, he's uh, going to back up Zach Kolaris, the, the quarterback that's currently there in, in, um, in Winnipeg. But he's kind of a fan favorite because how they announced his return was it's just a picture of a white cowboy hat and a tan, like, women's fur coat with a big furry collar on it. Yeah. Hanging up outside a closet. And it just says soon on it. Because when they won the Grey Cup, Strievler borrowed his girlfriend's mother's fur coat, put on the white hat, no shirt on, during the parade to win the Grey Cup for Winnipeg. And uh, back in 2019, so... The picture of him, and they showed another one later, is of shirtless Chris Strebler 
at that Grey Cup parade. Mm. So that's why they have the hat and the jacket. Kind of a unique way of announcing his return. Yeah, and it fits perfectly. It's just a little, little wonky, which is Canadian football. It's football, but a little wonky. So it's absolutely perfect. And Strievler in that game, by the way, went because they used him on like some packages. Yeah. Because he's more of a runner. Uh, three for three on passing attempts, 39 yards and a touchdown. He had the Bombers' only passing touchdown that day. There you go. So here we go. Uh, Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley is headed to become the new defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. Not that it's a significant monetary upgrade, but an anonymous source, love these, tells ESPN, and this is according to Pete Thamel, Jeff wants to go coach football again in a league that is all about football. College coaching has become fundraising, NIL, recruiting your own team, and transfers. There's no time to actually coach football anymore. And Kirk Herbstreet says college football spiraling out of control. That's why these college coaches are wanting out. That's why Jim Harbaugh is going to the Chargers instead of staying in Michigan, where he could very well get show-caused and suspended. So he's going to the Chargers instead. Well, Jim Harbaugh said there's there's fewer sands in the grains of sand in the hourglass for him now. So Jim that's, Harbaugh less entertaining Bill Walton. Yeah, I think it's fair. Yeah. A dumber Bill Walton. L- less great stories that yeah. you don't know what the hell he's talking about, but it's still you feel like it's a great story. True. That would be Bill Walton. Bill Schmidt needs to take note of fourth down. Maybe there's something here. Former Colorado Rocky. Charlie Culberson played with the Rocks across uh, 142 games across two years, hit 227. Has been with the Braves and Rangers off and on the last six years or so. Well, he's 34, and now he's entering Braves minor league camp as a pitcher. He's trying to catch on as a pitcher. Hmm. In eight relief appearances in the major leagues he's thrown seven and a third innings allowing one run on seven hits a strikeout and three walks he also for triple a Gwinnett last year threw three and two-thirds innings he stopped out at 93.7 miles per hour in his MLB pitching appearances is this something Rocky should try once your guys get too old to play in the field instead of shifting them to first base make them pitch it's a reverse Rick and Keel without the Steve blast problem, right? Yeah. It's a reverse Rick and Keel. A little bit. Yeah. This is more ineffective than because Charlie's a right. career 249 hitter. It's not right. Like, but but in terms of he went from pitcher to positional player, yep. Charlie's going the other way. Yeah. Going the other way. Yeah, I think this is what the Rockies should try, Bill Schmidt. You know, Chris Bryant can't stay healthy enough to play in the field. Put him on the mound. Why not? What's the worst that can give, happen? Give him a shot. Sure. What are they going to do? Give up 10 runs to the Dodgers? <laughs> could be worse. Yeah, could, could be worse. Could be worse. Just saying. C.J. Crone, too old to hit. Put him on the mound. <laughs> you pitched a little bit in high school, didn't yeah. you, C.J.? Charlie Blackman, he was an actual pitcher in yeah. college. Throw so him on the mound. Go. Extend the, the career of one Charlie yeah, Blackman. Exactly. I like that. Okay. That's four down territory. It's time for this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment of all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right. We'll go back in time on this day, February 1st, 1913. Jim, Jim Thorpe, star of the 1912 Olympics, signs to play baseball with the New York Giants. 
on this day, 1984, New York's Bernard King scores 50 points for the Knicks at Dallas, equaling the 50 he scored the night before in San Antonio. He's the first player to score 50 points on consecutive nights since Will Chamberlain did it 20 years earlier. 1995, Utah guard John Stockton becomes the NBA's career assist leader, setting up Carl Malone with 6.30 left in the first half of the Jazz's 129-88 win over the Nuggets. Yeah. Stockton's 9,922 assists move him ahead of Magic Johnson. Also 2004, the New England Patriots won their second Super Bowl in three seasons after Adam Vinatieri kicks a field goal with four seconds left to lift his team to a 32-29 win over the Carolina Panthers. And that's this day in sports history. I think the part that goes unspoken in the Bernard King note, Will went for 100 one of those nights. Yes, exactly. Like, Bernard went for 100, period. Will went for 100 in one game. 50-plus the next night. Yeah. All right, so it's 9.39. We'll take a break. two for two from the line after the game, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, normally it'd be like five for five. Yeah, but he scored 100. He's a little tired. tired. He's a little tired, so just just two for two. All right, we will take a break. We'll come back with some garbage time. That's on the way next on the Jim Davis Show. They're a lot of fun. The Jim Davis Show. They're idiots. On Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. Text your call us 970-242-1340. All right, uh, let's open up the lid and hop in. It's garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. Got something you want to lead off with? Uh, I, I don't know what this is about. All I see is this headline that says, Radio host's 12-year-old niece swings snake like a hammer thrower trying to save her pet guinea pig. I'm fascinated, but I hate snakes enough to not click on the link. But it seems like it would be an interesting thing to read up about. That's that's what I just had initially there. Okay. That was the screen I was on. I was a little alarmed, like... What kind of snake are we talking about? I don't know. And Billy Joel's got a new song out, too, by the way. First time in 17 years. Okay. Well, I'm th- that's a, actually a good transition. Because mm-hmm. I watched uh, the the We Are the World documentary oh, yeah. on Netflix about the, the recording of that song. And you know, I won't spoil too much of it. But um, interesting how it, it, Michael Jackson and uh, Lionel Richie wrote the song. And they were trying to get a hold of Stevie Wonder, and he was going to help them write the song. Well, they called Stevie, and he never answered the phone. They could never get a hold of him. So, like, okay, we're coming up against it because they were going to get all these people together at the American Music Awards in in L.A. So when they were going out there for that, that's when they're going to, after the show, they were going to go to A&M Records and record We Are the World Mm -hmm. to raise money for, for famine victims in Africa. Like uh, Bob Geldof and British artists did with uh, Do They Know It's Christmas, which kind of led to Quincy Jones and Lionel Richie and, and Michael Jackson saying, hey, we should do something as well with American artists. And so anyway, they, they 
the night they're supposed to record it, Stevie Wonder shows up and he goes, so when we write in this thing? And they go, we already did. It's done. <laughs> we already wrote it, Stevie. He's like, okay. Uh, Bob Dylan just, I don't, I don't know if it's he didn't want to be there. He had this, yeah, what he had, do you mean? There seemed to be the sense that he was very intimidated by, I mean, people that could, you know, really sing like Steve Perry. Sing clearly. Uh, Michael Jackson, you know, Lionel Richie. There were these great singers. Mm-hmm. And so he he got to do a solo part because he's Bob Dylan. Yeah. They had to ask him to leave the studio because he was freaking out. He would not. Little imposter syndrome. He would not do it with everybody else around. Made it. Just made it. We are the world. We are the children. That's one thing this voice actually works out well for us. Yeah. By Bob Dylan in person. But, um, but like Huey Lewis, they kind of plugged him in at the last minute to do a, to do one of the vocal, the, one of the solos. Mm-hmm. And he was great. I like Huey Lewis. Seems like a good dude. Yeah. And, um, but Bruce Springsteen, they he had just wrapped up the Born in the USA tour in Buffalo. And normally Springsteen, tour's done, boss is done, vacation. Boss is a rumor. Not going to do it. And so they convinced him to get on a plane after that tour in Buffalo. Weather was crappy. Well, it's because it's Buffalo. And sorry, Mark. God bless you, sir. But, uh, yeah, weather's he always knows. bad in Buffalo. He, he knows. And so Springsteen got there, and he was just... You just tell he loved it. But the, the funny the funny thing was with Paul Simon, where Paul Simon standing with a riser while they're filming because they're filming the video for it while yeah. they're while they're recording the song. Paul Simon looks around and he goes, If a bomb hits this place, John Denver's back to being the number one act in music. That was pretty Rude. good. <laughs> was, that was pretty good. That was pretty funny. Rude fun. about another January 9th guy, I think. John that's, Denver. No, yeah, that's that was pretty Bob Denver. Kind of Same thing. No, no, it's not. Different guys. Close, December thirty first. But it's pretty good. It's pretty good documentary. I've heard that. Yeah, it's uh, it's like about hour and a half, somewhere in that neighborhood. So it's it's not incredibly long. But I'll it's put funny. It on my list of things that. But the part that cracked me up seen. was Michael Jackson calling Lionel Richie, Lionel, like the train, like the train. <laughs> so that's he Does that did surprise not, you though. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. He had real life Lionel. And the thing, because I, I, I don't know why I never knew this. Michael Jackson could not play an instrument. He did not play an instrument. I was Tito. I and was so, Tito and so when, for. so when he wrote music, he would do the and he like hum it, hum it, yeah. And that's how they came up with "We Are the World." And that's how he wrote all of his songs. Mm-hmm. Was he just kind of would mumble, hum it, and then. Kind of figure it out on the fly yeah. and that kind of thing. And on the reverse side, Stevie played all the instruments on Superstition, right? That album. That's, that well, is Played true. every instrument, all the songs. It was incredible. They, uh, the, one final thing that was kind I'm of funny. I not able to see any of that. <laughs> that Ray Charles was there, the, the, the legendary Ray Charles. Mm-hmm. At one point, Ray Charles needed to use the bathroom. And before somebody could Stevie say. Helping? Yes, he did. Because he, Stevie recorded in that studio. He knew exactly. Yep. He goes, come on, Ray. And he. Grabbed him by the arm and... It is literally the <laughs> blind somebody, leading the and blind. And that's what they all they go, oh my God, this is the blind leading the blind. Literally. There were camera phones. Memes. Lots of footage of it. the you know what. But lots of footage 
of it, and that's obviously what makes it. It's like the work. Beatles thing, you know. What I mean, it's like I did not realize there was this much camera around for this particular time frame. Although the Peter Jackson one, yeah, because you always get the well back in my day, there wasn't a camera everywhere. Well, like you had the Last Dance with Michael Jordan, they had everything there. You had the Beatles documentary, they had everything there. Of everything for We Are the World. There are a lot of cameras laying around for not having cameras anywhere. Yeah. A lot of cameras rolling. I'm interested to see that, though. That'll go on my list of things. Yeah, it's it's well worth the, the watch and just to see, like, like, yeah. Steve, like Steve Perry and, and see Michael Jackson sing and how good those guys were. And um, just, yeah, it was just and see Willie Nelson singing with, like, Dionne Warwick. And, an interesting little mashup. Yeah, and and then just one final thing, that uh, Diana Ross was, of course, legendary Motown performer. She was the last one in the studio. Everybody else had, had left, mm-hmm. and she was sitting there, and she's crying. And if it was Quincy Jones, somebody walked up to her and said, Diana, what's, what's wrong? And she goes, I didn't want it to end. I love this. I love getting to meet all these people. And she went to, like, Cindy Lauper or somebody and asked for her autograph. And then everybody started autographing everybody's stuff. And I think, I think it was Cindy Lauper. And just, she was just blown away mm-hmm. that Diana Ross would want her autograph. It was just cool. It's, it's a really... There's some moments where people go, okay, yeah, yeah, that... Lindsey Buckingham looks like he does not want to be there at all. Not quite as much as Bob Dylan, but close. Again, not at all surprised. Okay, you got something else? Uh, not no. I Quincy Jones still alive, by the way, at yeah. ninety. Yes, he is. That's a that's a pretty good run. Couple of NBA stars going back to where they used to play. Damian Lillard went back to Portland. Says still sees a future as a Blazer. And then Kevin Durant goes back to Brooklyn and says it's pointless to wonder about the what ifs, and maybe he and Kyrie. And James Harden didn't have enough time together. Kevin Durant says, no. I mean, that's just a pointless exercise, in my opinion, to think about what could have been. It's time to move on. One of those guys likes nostalgia. The other one is Kevin Durant. <laughs> it's all about where I am right now. Yep. Not someplace else. I ain't got no rear view mirrors on this car, brother. That's what it sounds like. I'm trying to find the article on this, and it was on Pro Football Talk, that... Um, Goodell had a presser and some of the NFL brass and Mike Florio wrote about this where the subject of officiating in, in the NFL came up and about you know, it's as actually, good as it's ever been I believe it was one of the I believe it was one of the PR people actually for the NFL and Goodell had made a comment years ago about the concern about embracing yeah. legalized gambling because I, now, I bra- grazed over that yeah, one because, yesterday too because every, because every play is going to be scrutinized and so now the NFL's leaned, obviously, like most, like all sports leagues, has leaned really hard into gambling. And so those those fears of Roger Goodell have have come to fruition. And I forgot who it was, the, the the spokesperson for the NFL, but Florio, I think, had asked a question about you know what's the NFL doing to address concerns about games being rigged mm-hmm. and and fixed and things like that. Tuesday, it was an uh, NFL-conducted video conference Thank call. you. The Executive VP of Communications, Public Affairs, and Policy, Jeff Miller. Your guy. I thought he was your guy, too. Well, he's my guy, too. 
uh, Florio read the quote from Goodell, and Miller had a five-paragraph response. And essentially, the the essence of it, he, he talks about, you know, we work here, we're, you know, not, nothing in there about how we're trying to improve officiating. Right. What can we do to make it more transparent? And so to to you know, address concerns about games being fixed and that kind of thing. The quote from Goodell that Florio used as the question was, does the NFL believe this speculation is currently happening? And what is the NFL doing to counter it or prevent it? Because there's lots of tinfoil hat conspiracy yes. stuff constantly online about, ah, this game was rigged and that game was fixed and 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 those kind of things. Miller didn't really address didn't the answer, thing, yeah. didn't really answer the question. And the, the and for the NFL, they need to address that. They need to like like Iowa Sky Judge. There needs to be more transparency mm-hmm. because now people are betting on games, and you've you've embraced it, NFL. You've oh, leaned yeah. really hard into it. Less than a decade, Roger Goodell went from nope to yep, yep. Because he, he saw Vegas the for the Super Bowl. Yeah, he saw the writing on the wall, and more and more states were legalizing gambling, and so. Ultimately, everybody's going to have to in, embrace it at some point. But what are you doing to make sure that the people feel like games are, the outcomes are legitimate? And that gets back to officiating. And that gets back to transparency. And that gets back to something like Sky Judge, mm-hmm. where when calls are being made and there's a replay going on, that you hear everything they're talking about. That everything that's being discussed is there for you to to listen to and either agree with or disagree with, but this is why they came to this this right. call, whatever. Popping Mike Tirico's softball with, well, it's the best it's ever been, and it's really hard to do, and human error and this and that, that's not going to be good enough for Roger Goodell anymore. No, you, you can't say, yeah, we've got, we have great officials. Got folks that are, I think, dedicated and want to be really good at what they do, but what are you doing to help them and ensure that game the outcomes are fair and legitimate and there's not these tinfoil hat conspiracies don't have any traction. As of right now, they're not doing anything. And that's our show for today. We'll be doing something, at least I will, with Cake tomorrow, 7 o'clock here on the team.